Hey, I'm uh, Jace from Gypsy Tales. There's Kyron. There's Juan from Immortals. And this, and this is, is Uncommon. Uncommon. Uncommon is a production by Neural, an agency that helps both brands and talent tell their story. To learn more, just visit neural.com. That's N-E-U-R-A-L-L-E.com. So, guest this week, uh, we've got Jace, obviously from Gypsy Tales podcast, and we've got Juan and Kyron from the Mere Mortals as well. When I was putting this together, guys, I realized, so we, we had a cancellation this week, and I thought, I have not once had a podcast with other podcasters, unless they're, you know, like maybe they're comedians or something like that. So, mm-hmm. this is the first proper podcasting roundtable I've had, so to speak. And I want to I want to kick things off because I, I got to say if you're into podcasting you've got to be able to talk. So maybe Jace, you can kick us off and tell us about your earliest memory of not wanting to shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh man, that's literally been my life, dude. Eh? It's um it's pretty funny. Like anyone that uh, would know me in my personal life kind of knows that this is probably the perfect occupation. But I think. Ironically, what actually makes a good podcaster is someone that does want to shut the fuck up. So I'd say that uh, any, because my show is like not about me. My show is more so about uh, the guests. Um, So yeah, honestly, uh, maybe, yeah, a gift and a curse, I'd say. Um, Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. Wanting to talk a lot. Yeah. yeah, wanting to talk a lot is like a good thing. You've got to be able to do it, but you've also got to be able to shut the fuck up. I think with you guys though, Juan and Kieran, you, your show is definitely all about talking, right? Because it's essentially the two of you the majority of the time. Yeah, yeah. Now, look, I was going to say, uh, thinking back to the earliest memories of shutting the fuck up, I don't even remember a time when I don't, yeah, I don't stop talking. So I do, I'm definitely on the side of, I enjoy talking and obviously podcasting does allow that either with other people or with Kyron. So it's always, you know, great for that. But yeah, it's that balance, right? When you're having conversations with each other, especially on our podcast with Mere Mortals. Yeah, it is all about talking and the research and conversation. But equally, when then we're interviewing or having conversations with others, it is all about the art of, okay, just kind of putting yourself to the side and trying to help them shine through with their own story. Yeah, I'd, I'd actually say I, I'd never really had the problem of, of talking too much, the, exactly the opposite, to be honest. So just by nature, um, I'm pretty introverted, relatively shy, especially when I was younger. And I, I suppose getting to the stage where I've, I've probably had the opposite, which was I, I did get good at listening to people, uh, especially one-on-one. In group scenarios, not so much, but one-on-one, I could really just dial in and, and let someone speak. And uh, I think that's, yeah, we, we've, we've all mentioned that that's another important part of it is is being able to, I guess, be comfortable with silences as well and, and letting, you know, the, the silence create the opportunity for someone to to add that extra little piece of information or thought that's going through their head, which, you know, potentially is opens up whole new avenues. Yeah, I had this the other day. I was talking to my partner and she was saying that um, from listening to the podcast, she learned because she's, she's quite introverted as well. And she's also very, uh, like you'd call her, she calls herself very agreeable. And uh, we've had like some problem clients probably in the agency over the last few few months with, with COVID happening. But, you know, people, people also like to just be a pain in the ass. And she, she learned that uh, when you go quiet, like 
at least from that perspective, it gives people a little bit of discomfort and it makes them dig, like it sort of almost forces them to dig into what is actually true and not some PR facade. Because that's like one thing I struggle with when, when I do interviews. I don't know if you find this, Jace, but um, if you have a high-profile guest, sometimes they're so media trained, they just can't, they just can't break out of the line. You know what I mean? Mm. And so yeah. Yeah, you're, you are, you are right. Like, I think, I think that's sort of one of the things though, that, um, I feel like I'm lucky in the sense with that, that I think people know when they come on gypsy tales, they're kind of, it's like the show where you're allowed to break that mold. If that's <laughs> like, I, I think it sort of gives people a license to do that. Um, so I think that I'm lucky in that sense. Like you, I kind of come across it. But I think at, at this point now, it's like everyone's like, oh, this is the show where you can go and smoke weed and get fucked up and like no one will care. Like it's kind of just expected that you'll be a bit of a, a bit of a piece of shit on this podcast. <laughs> okay. That's interesting. Like, yeah. Cause that, there are some people we want to have, and maybe it's because of the community, like we focus on, but the business space, there's a lot of people who they're just so PR trained. And yeah. it's interesting because people will tell me, hey, that episode you have with that person was great and I learned a lot about them. And they're a bit more different than I thought they'd be. They're not just a footy guy or they're not just this or that. And I just sit there and think like, dude, they didn't say anything. Like they, mm. just, they, just sort of, um, they just sort of held it in and, and were super PR and media trained during the process. Um, when you guys were all growing up, what did you think you were going to be? Not an engineer. <laughs> I didn't yeah. think that was in the in the works for me. So that's that's what I uh, graduated uh, university with, but uh, sort of stayed with that for three years. Soccer player was was floating in the background for a bit as well, but yeah, it was in, it was in the ether. I think for for a, a huge period of time. Yeah, I'm, look, I'm going to say. So I grew up in Colombia, right? Came over to Australia when I was nine years old, and I think the earliest memory of thinking what I want to do was probably just playing soccer. Mm. Um, Obviously, once I get through it, yeah, I think once I started to learn English and understanding what Australia was like, I probably did have an idea that I wanted to do something scientific or with maths or chemistry, uh, but never, never would I have thought it's going to come to podcasting. And I actually ended up, I became an engineer, then a consultant, now a contractor of sorts, and obviously doing podcasting as well. Hmm. What about you, Jess? Um, Oh man, honestly, like I didn't want to be anything as weird as that <laughs> sounds. Like all I wanted to be was like not hating my life, if yeah. that makes sense. Like I kind of grew up in a, um, I kind of grew up in like a weird environment around like a lot of really, really unhappy people. Mm. And it was pretty like, just, I guess I look back and I think like, I think a lot of people exaggerate their childhood, but it was just super traumatic. And mm. I just like, I almost didn't give a fuck what I was as long as I wasn't unhappy. Mm. And, uh, and I've kind of done a bunch of just really random stuff. And like, that's sort of where the, the whole gypsy thing comes from. Like I even, like I made a joke with my brother the other day. Um, cause I've just got like my first employee and not going anywhere through COVID. And then, you know, I was like kind of complaining to my brother cause he runs like a pretty, pretty sick, uh, like sports marketing business. And, um, and then he's like, oh, well, like you're growing up and he's my younger brother. And I was just like, man, I just feel like putting fucking 20 bucks back in my wallet and then just like 
dip it out again, you know? Getting out yeah, of dodge. honestly, yeah, like honestly, I just, my whole life's goal was just to be not unhappy. Mm. What about the motocross thing? Was that ever, was that ever there? Yeah, so I guess like that's probably where the story really starts. But to, I guess, to give the motocross thing context, like motocross was my escape from everything. So I just kind of leaned all the way in like motocross was where it, it wasn't traumatic, if that makes sense. Like it wasn't chaotic. It was just this sport that I could focus on. It brought my family together. I did it with my brother and all of my like good friends. Like that was kind of the first place I found like good influences and good people. So I think I just kind of leaned into that. And then when I figured out that I wasn't going to be like a pro motocross rider, I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'll do whatever it takes to just like stay doing this to be around these people and, and doing this. Cause I, that was kind of what I guess made me happy. Yeah. Um, so then I started filming and then I just said yes to pretty much any experience that was going to like keep that show on the road, I guess. Yeah. So that, that was an interesting thing looking at everyone's backgrounds. I mean, um, going on what you're saying, you would, you wouldn't have had any idea that things would eventuate into what it was today with the podcast and the show and the filmmaking, et cetera. I actually found one of your old, um, show reels. Uh, there's oh, like an yeah. old show reel on Vimeo, Vimeo somewhere or something like that. Yeah, so, yeah. so you're a bit of a decade long storyteller, but like these guys, I only came into this probably in the last three, four years. So I think yeah. looking, uh, Juan and Kyron, I think looking at what you guys are up to, it's pretty much engineering. Brent, Brisbane born and bred, both of you, uh, well, not born, but pretty much grew up in Brisbane for the two of you, mining. So you must have met at some point during this career stage or maybe you played soccer together, but why storytelling? Why move from such a, uh, a conscientious area to, to this area? Because I was in banking and accounting. I, f- I fucking hated it and got into this. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you a bit of story. So, I mean, me and Kyron, we've known each other now for about 16 yes. odd years, right, from high school. So, we've known each other for a very long time. And what was sort of was the, the change, what got us started actually doing podcasting when we went on. And I think for many, many years, we did enjoy listening to podcasts. And we kind of, not lost touch, but we communicated with a lot of our friends uh, every now and again, every few months. But we started finding that we communicated best, both myself, Karen, and another friend of ours through audio chats. So we would actually send each other, you know, snippets that are about 10, 20 minutes long of what's kind of happening at the moment. Um, Karen headed off and traveled through South America for uh, 18 months, 14 months, 14. 14 months. And through all the time, we were just kind of connecting, always chatting almost weekly to the point that we started thinking about, well, you know, we really enjoy doing podcasts. Oh, sorry, listening to podcasts and, you know, could we just translate this into having this sort of conversation once a week? And that was sort of the impetus to, okay, once you're back in Australia, let's set something up. Let's just go ahead and do that. Yeah. And did you have like, because I remember when I started out, I, I told myself that the idea was it would make me better at conversations and selling, but really I just thought I was going to be the next <laughs> Joe, Rogan. Joe Rogan, like we all do, right? That's got to that's got to be a common thing for anyone who starts a podcast. Yeah, it's it's always in the back of your mind. I think uh, you know if if you think about podcasting, that that name tends to come up a lot, um, yeah. especially after he did that that huge deal with Spotify. And 
Um, yeah, I, I guess um, as for, for my background and why I wanted to get into it, yeah, similar story, did uh, engineering, worked in the mines for three years. I wouldn't say I hated it, but uh, I didn't love it either. And I got to a point where I just realized how many hours I was spending with it. You know, this was becoming my life. What do I really want to get good at in my lifetime? Is it working on Excel sheets? Is it talking to guys out in the pit? Uh, no, nah, not really. What, what I really was interested in was learning languages, doing calisthenics, meditation, just all the, all these like various branches of stuff that captures my interest. And to be honest, it, it got to a point after I, after I traveled as well, where I went, okay, like I had, you know, I sent out some resumes just, just for the hell of it, just to look and, you know, I had a job opportunities and I went, okay, but do I want to do this? Do I really want to do this? And the answer was a hell no. Like, absolutely not. So then it was like, all right, what am I going to do? And this was about one of the only things I could think of where it's like, you know, I can still spend time doing all the things I love and I can sort of talk about them. And then that can lead to, you know, some potential opportunities down, down the time. So every time that I spend an hour, you know, learning German or learning Spanish, it's not me just pursuing a hobby. It's almost like I'm doing it for work now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, that was one thing uh, that I was thinking about is sort of when when anyone gets into this and they've been consistent enough that they get past the 10 episodes and they've been going long enough like all of us have or at least a reasonably long enough, you start to have to think about, because it's not cheap doing this, you know, like apart from the time you've got production costs, I think JC said you just hired someone. Mm-hmm. Did you hire a producer? Uh, no, I've actually got uh, an editor. You got an editor, like a video editor. Yeah, yeah. So, but I, I think like he's literally just left school. Like it's worked out <laughs> unreal. Um, he was doing some sort of like after school, school holiday stuff with me, and then pretty much like he worked in the week between like oh, there was two weeks between finishing school and schoolies, and I was like, you've got a full time job as soon as you get back from schoolies. Wow. So, and then he's like, do you want me to not go to schoolies? I'm like, no, 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 you're good, go to schoolies. But then when you get back, you work. And so was um, it, but, was he a fan of the show? Like, had he or was he just like someone you knew? Um he listened to the show and he watched a bunch of the stuff, but he wasn't like a person that really engaged with me that much. Um, but it's crazy. He's sort of doing what I did when I started, I guess in a different way, cause there wasn't social media when I started, but traveling around trying to go with the big writers and make them content for sponsors and stuff like that. Um, and then I saw a video he posted from a local track that was, you know, it's like in our area. And then I just DM'd him and I was like, Hey, do you want a job? (laughs) <laughs> and uh and he was like fuck yes i want a job yeah of course <laughs> so, any but, uh, any smart 10 year old would say that yeah so but hopefully um yeah it's, it'll be like a bit of a learning process uh for me and him but yeah, i'd say he'll end up doing sort of producer type stuff um but yeah really i just need to edit i like the content just because we'd go pretty hard with the youtube thing mm-hmm. um so yeah it's like two videos a day on youtube and and yeah, it's like, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah, we just hired um, uh, young Jacob, uh, who's been uh, amazing. I can say when you hire someone who's passionate about what you're doing, like everything is fun to them. Like I said to him the other day, he's like, mm. hey, Matt, because he doesn't know how to edit videos yet, mm. um, but he's really good. Like from a, con- He's got a great content brain. 
And yep. uh, he's already integrated a bunch of stuff like uh, better ads, sort of like mid-roll clips and stuff on our show for the business, um, clips channel, all these all these little things that start to add up. Yep. And then uh, I said to him, oh, um, hey, um, we're going to get the YouTube, my personal YouTube channel going again. We're going to do a, you know, like a video each week. I, I want you to spend max two, three hours on it. Uh, and like, I feel like if you said that to any other person, they'd sort of be like, oh, all right. But he was like, fuck yeah, that's fu- that sounds fun as. Like he, you know, two, three hours on that and he's getting paid for it. It's sort of like uh, a dream come true. I don't know if that's what he'd say, but, you know, it's there's something nice about that. But it goes to my, what I was originally thinking is what is, the what's the back end that finances all this because we got to eat we got to all eat i'm going to guess jace for you it's uh videography and clients in that sort of space it's sim- probably similar for us but i'm keen to hear what what everyone's got going on um i actually kind of come about it uh a little bit differently so to rewind a bit, like I did 10 years in the States and I had like a really big production company kind of deal that I was running over there with. Um, initially, it was a friend of mine from Australia that I moved over there with. Uh, and then I ended up partnering with a guy that we ended up kind of working with. And mm-hmm. we were doing like big jobs, like $400,000 projects, like big shit. We had I think we had like five reds. We had phantoms. We were right on the drone thing before the drones would like before DJI was making drones. We had like $70,000 drones in the air and it honestly was just like out of control. And, uh, but I absolutely loved it. Like we traveled around the world constantly. Red Bull was our biggest client. Um, and then we were doing like music videos and all sorts of stuff like living in, in Hollywood. And then I, basically like went to go, I came home, I got sick, didn't have insurance there, went to go back in. And then they're like, yeah, sorry, you can't come in null and void my visa. So really this, like, big business. And, yeah. So that's why I started the podcast. So wow. anyway, to sort of get to your question, I basically was home with nothing to do. And my producer at Red Bull, who's still to this day, one of my best friends, he'd actually been trying to get me to do a podcast for like years and years. And uh, I pretty much just said, not interested, not interested, not interested. Like I was going to be the next Hollywood film director. Like I lived on Sunset Boulevard. Like that's what I was there to do. Um, And then we did this one. It was actually my last project for Red Bull. And uh, Jeremy, the Red Bull producers like, oh, so by the way, we got it. You have to do this podcast with with this athlete who we were shooting the project on and we're just going to use it to take VO of his out of so that it's like natural VO. And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, all right. So he sent me to guitar center with a credit card, like the Red Bull credit card and literally bought this mark, like bought all this shit. I spent like three grand on this dude's credit Damn. card. And, uh, I was just like, fuck you, Jeremy. I don't really want to do this. So I just bought everything. And, uh, and then we did, I did that podcast and the, the, the athlete, uh, his name's Ryan Dungey. He's one of the best yeah. uh, supercross riders of all time. And uh, and he come up to me afterwards and he was like, dude, like I just retired and that was the best interview. That was the best piece of media I've ever done in my whole career. He's like, please, you should do this. And uh, and then I was like, oh, that's like pretty cool because the dude's fucking torture to work with, to be honest. <laughs> and, uh, and then, yeah, so kind of that and then having the visa thing, 
like get ripped away from me. So anyway, I had all the equipment and I was trying to get back to the U S to like trying to figure it out. So then I was like, all right, well, I'll do this podcast while I'm at home to sort of get back over there. And then, so I wasn't doing any other work. I wasn't doing any production work. I was like, I'll just kind of go all in on this just to, it was honestly just a project to keep me busy. Um, and then it honestly just like blew up instantly. Mm. And, uh, and then from that, I just pretty much from day one, I, it was just my full-time job and it was pretty lean for a while. Like it was, it was kind of tough, like to, to, make it happen. Like I ended up going back and living with my parents as a fucking 30 year old. And, but I just sort of saw some potential in it. People really enjoyed it straight away. Like there was a lot of really good feedback. Yeah. So yeah, man, honestly for three years, like I just bit the bullet and it's just been my full-time gig. Um, I built this studio at our warehouse on the Gold Coast. Um, cause that was kind of one of the things I was like, it's really hard to find an industry where you could do the first of something. Mm. And to me, like the um, Tommy and Josh have like a pretty sick space at Daily Talk Show. Yeah. But in terms of like someone that built a studio around them for their show, like fully soundproof, all the shit. Like I tried to make essentially the Joe Rogan studio of yeah. Australia. And I honestly, it was just like a bit of a, if I build it, will they come kind of thing. And so far it sort of has. And mm. uh yeah. So I honestly just went all in. This is my full-time job and it fucking sucked until probably about March this year. March this year is probably when you started what breaking even. Yeah. Just like, fuck, I bought AirPods the other day. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like so I bought, and then the month before that I bought a pair of fucking Nike. So yeah. that's, that's literally the level that it's been on, you know, and it's not, you can't, I, I wouldn't say it's like, not making money, but there's like, I mean, you boys should definitely come into my studio at some point. Like I'd love to love to have you in, but like, it's just crazy. The amount of equipment and the lighting and the mics yeah. and the camera. So it was just this constantly, like it's always made money, but I've just constantly been Put putting money in. in. Yeah. And now it's sort of just got to the point where I'm like, Oh, I don't have to do that much shit now. Yeah. I I'm in the, in a similar position. I think I'm, probably in a period just before your March. Um, yeah. The only difference is we probably didn't build the, because Lauren was um, creative director. We just decided to monetize through an agency model because, yeah. you know, she was sick of working for the man, so to speak. And uh, it just made a lot more sense. But when we, I feel like we're nearly there, but I know what you mean. Scraping along for all that time is fucking hard. Um, mm. what about you guys, Juan and Kyron, you, you're probably in an earlier stage to the two of us. Uh, how many episodes in are you now? Well, because we've been now creating, uh, essentially a piece of content or a podcast per day, it's sort of creeped up quite a bit. Uh, I think now at 120 odd episodes, but in total, it's around 200 sort of pieces That's that awesome. we've created. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's amazing though. You uh, got to go back to that point. You're talking about the uh, the warehouse. We've got to go definitely check that out. Because uh, getting giddy with excitement, just seeing it and obviously seeing yeah. it in person would be really cool. Um, but now back to obviously the question, right? Uh, outside of doing the podcasting, so for me, it's very much a it is my side hobby at the moment. I haven't thrown myself in full time, and so for me, I still hold a full time job uh, in terms of contracting gig. 
uh, as well as some consulting work that I do as well. So that's still taking the main precedence. And we got to also say that as part of the mere mortals, we've, I'll say that we've probably been seriously going at it for seven to eight months yeah. uh, in terms of when we actually made the effort of, okay, this is no longer just having these conversations between me and him. It's let's build it into something that we're actually going to put in effort and we're going to be improving and we're going to have conversations with other people. And we're still trying to stick away from the fortunate enough that we don't have to force the hand of monetization for the podcast. And it's more, uh, let's just focus on improving the content, what we're producing, who we're interacting with, so that if at one stage we want to pull that trigger, it's there and available. So, I mean, yeah, but yes, uh, fortunately, or uh, however you want to see it, I'd still do uh, sort of full-time work myself. Yeah, right. I think that's probably the move, to be honest. Yeah. Do that yeah. do that as long as you can. Yeah, I yeah. agree with that. There's more, more money, more problems, man. Like we got, <laughs> I like, I have crazy sponsor commitments that just take a lot of time. So yeah. that definitely like to be in that position, I, I kind of, my hand was forced a little bit in that sense. Um, but I guess it's like a, a it's a trade off, right? But um, yeah, it sounds like you guys are doing that the right way. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, well, environmentalists be warned, this show is bankrolled by mining money. Uh, so <laughs> I made a, yeah, I made a bunch of money, um, obviously working in the mines, going straight out of uni just pays incredibly well. So uh, I, I spent three years there and um, that with a combination of me just being pretty frugal in general uh, is, has made me get to a point where it's like, I can just sort of subsist investments that I have sort of pay for, for my daily living. Um, and anything on top of that is yeah, like sort of bonus. So, um, that's actually why I keep this here. It's like a little bit of a reminder of, uh, a, so I've got like a little dozer in front of me, which I was given as a parting gift, which is sort of a reminder of like, I don't want to go back there, but also I'm very appreciative of, you know, Mm -hmm. the time that I spent the work that I spent, uh, in that industry, because it did, you know, it's gotten me to a stage now where I can, yeah, not have to worry about money where, you know, we, we're not desperately going for the clickbait titles to get more views, to be able to then monetize. It's like, no, we'll, we'll do what we want. Mm. And, you know, I, I think in the long run, that'll, you know, work out so much better anyway. Yeah, I'd agree Definitely. with that. I think um, like Jace, our, not so much our hand was forced away, but yeah, that pressure of, um, for, for us, it's always been pressure of overheads. Like I think when we first started it, it was really just Lauren and I, and then, you know, you brought, we brought on freelancers to help with editing and whatnot. And I think the average cost per week for production would have been like 200 bucks, maybe like barely, barely anything. It was a, a side hobby where we chucked in the money. But now when I think about monthly overheads, I think like with the staff we've got, it's like 18 grand a month. Mm. Wow. And uh, it just adds like more and more commitments that just gets tighter and tighter. Yep. And so, yeah, you and you're in this sort of struggle all the time with like, do I make this decision for monetization or do I make this decision for longevity? And I try as much as I can for longevity, I would say. Um, which sort of brings me to my thought around guiding principles. What sort of the the guiding idea behind why you guys do what you do. When do you want it to end? Will it end? Like I, I've now baked this into my personality and I, I just think that I'll do it for the rest of my life. Mm. Do you guys have a similar view? Yeah, actually it was interesting. Uh, I was 
thinking about this and writing about this no, not too long ago. And there's a whole thing where people say, you know, it's not a sprint, it's a, it's a marathon. And I was thinking about that. I'm like, it's not even a marathon either with podcasting in terms of, of my view when I look at it. It's just this continuous loop sort of race that it, you're not really competing against other podcasters because initially, you know, we all kind of get into it thinking, oh, yeah, we're going to be like a Joe Rogan, going to beat this, going to get to this level. But as opposed to that mentality, it's more a, you know, once you get in, you can go around this loop for as long as you want. And it's a, it's a whole mindset of as long as you're giving it time and you're improving it by listening to obviously people who are listening to your podcasts as well as what you're, you're producing and be able to iterate on it, then it's just a matter of time to be able to then grow that base to where you want it to be. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I'm not particularly attached to the idea of, of the podcast in general. Uh, I, I like freedom. So this has given me the freedom to do exactly what I want. You know, if it got to the stage where you, you, we did have all those sponsorship commitments and, say the podcasting platforms only allowed certain types of content on and you had to follow these strict rules and whatnot. Uh, I would probably jump ship to whatever is the next, you know, most open thing, whether that be, you know, something in the virtual reality world or going solely to YouTube or whatever it is. So, hmm. uh, yeah, for me, it's, it's like just following the, the, the freedom train in essence. And, uh, I mean, for us, like as far as why, our sort of guiding principles, um, you know, ours is our sort of tagline is striving for excellence through life's lessons, which is, you know, we want to get really good at certain things, maybe not perfectionist, but excellent at some things and, you know, showcase that to the world as well. And to myself, because one of the, the best things about doing the podcast so far has been examining myself and going like, Oh mm. man, that's, you're doing this wrong. You're doing mm. this wrong as well. And just yeah. continually doing that. What about you, Jess? Uh, I think that the thing that I realized really early on that became the thing that made it feel important for me to do this was like, I realized that I'm very lucky to know the people that I know. So mm. through the whole motocross thing and then like I got to the top of that sport and the people that I dealt with daily were like the top of this industry then as a result of that you meet like the big red bull producers and then i'd meet big musicians and then i'd meet big podcast guys and i'd i'd meet all of these people that had kind of risen to the top of their chosen endeavor and i definitely took that for granted in my 20s when i was living there and then when i started the podcast and i just was having like this general conversation with these people the feedback that i was getting from the people listening was just like this changed my life like i was depressed i thought about this this way you guys opened my mind blah 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 and to me i'm just like fuck we barely said anything like this was just this was just a like general discourse between me and this person this is how we always talk yeah. but i started equating that with especially like my audience i'd say is like the real blue collar Aussie dude that buys a bike and goes to the fucking drags. And you know what I mean? Like there's, there's not a lot of dudes in that category that are really talking about their feelings, really voicing their struggles. Their mates probably aren't doing that same thing for them. So I think I just realized that I had a very, very unique access to a, to a group of people that have reached 
kind of like what the boy said, you know, like they've sort of learned through life's lessons. They've achieved this like level of excellence at what they do. And you take away the bike or you take away the car or you take away any of the shit that they've done. They're just people that have kind of like learned these lessons. And for me, I sort of started to see it as almost like this would be a waste of a resource that I have access to. Like I actually mm. can do good by just having a conversation, illuminating some shit that these people that listen may not know and it can really change people's lives and i mean this week was crazy seeing like people's spotify numbers you know like there's people that have listened to like nine thousand hours of gypsy tales this yeah. year Does, and it's just it's like fuck man that that sort of shit blows my mind when you see the numbers and it's really hard to imagine that amount of people or hours listened to of you like, I just find mm-hmm. that really, I don't think I'll ever, no. ever get over that. And the weird thing with podcasting too, this is what I've found. And so like just our YouTube channel, this, this month is 80,000 hours watched. Yeah, right. Just, just the YouTube. And I think it's one of the really great things about podcasting is that so like we, we used to do a lot of like music stuff, right? Yeah. So we, we, would go with these big bands and we'd film these concerts and there's a hundred, you know, 50, 60,000 people there. And those dudes on stage are like getting all of that energy and that shit affects those guys. It, it can't, yeah. it yeah, can't yeah. not like you can't it's so hard to be like a, a superstar and have it not change the lens in which you see reality. You see yourself, but doing a podcast, like, fuck man, I still, I walk down the street and like, I might get recognized a few times a week. And it's just like people, it's a very different relationship. They sort of see you as like just a normal person, not like, uh, they're not screaming at you from a stage. And I think that that gives podcasters a real, I don't know, like a unique way to stay in touch with reality because you're just not getting the, the perspective of just how many people are like, watching you talk like essentially every episode you've got fucking a f- packed afl grand final listening to you but yeah. it's just you and a person in a room there's no influence in the same way that if we were doing that podcast and eighty thousand people were listening you'd fucking have eighty thousand eyes on you and 80 you know what i mean <laughs> so it, it is it's a unique medium in that sense i think and i think that lets it stay really grounded and uh it doesn't seem to change people in the same way that other f- kind of forms of media do, I guess. Yeah. It's like, there's um, almost a Chinese wall between you mm. and fame. Like I've noticed that with Rogan recently where even though he's done, he's signed with Spotify and you know, he's got all this stuff going on. If he puts out a tweet, if he puts out a post or something like that, it is like, he is the guy now when it comes to interview shows, like he rates higher than, all of the nightly shows in the US combined, I think, or, or at least uh, hits them by like 100% or 150% of an average mm. show's views. But you can sort of see when he's sitting there in that studio and there's only like two of them that he's still, it's still not really hit him yet in some mm. way. Uh, maybe, maybe it has, but maybe less so than say someone who's, a star in Hollywood or a musician on stage, at least I find. Um, it's it's very, very interesting. Uh, I don't think I'll ever 
get over it when our producer tells us like what's the unique listeners per week when we have our Friday wrap up. So just don't, I almost don't believe him. <laughs> like I almost feel like he's lying. Well, it's just a number on the screen and like yeah. you get a, you get a million or 10 million, you're just adding a fucking zero on a screen. That's probably if you counted the pixels, it's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's not, it's just doesn't have the same impact. Yeah. And I think that, I think it's quite important. Yeah, I think the funny thing is talking to you. I don't know if you guys have ever found this, but um, like for years when we started this, like my parents and my fiance's parents would always say, "Like, why are you doing this? Like, what, what is this shit?" And now you've like, you know, you've had a few guests that they recognise, so it's sort of hitting home for them. But like, I think it was recently when I told one of my parents around the numbers, and it was like the equivalent of, you know, filling out like the forum or something like that in Melbourne. And, uh, they, then they start to see it, but, but, mm. I, you know, I still will never, ever see that at all. Um, because it's just a number on a screen for me. Um, speaking of producers, my producer had a question for all you guys, something that is, that is mulling on or we're mulling on at the moment when it comes to promotion. Yep. And we've gone through this stage at the moment where, so you guys have been podcasting for like six, seven months. I think Jace, you've been doing it for a couple of years now. Uh, we went through the stage of everything being like audiograms to like, you've got to have video now to everyone has to have a YouTube channel. And now it's sort of all about Spotify. Where do you guys see the future of promotion? How are you getting that cut through to acquiring more listeners, users, people that are interested in what, what you're doing? Yeah, honest, honestly, for us, I think actually doing it um, outdoors, to be honest, is is where we'll see like the the biggest gains. Because uh, so one of the things we do is on a Saturday we'll just grab the two USB mics, a laptop, head down to Kangaroo Point and just chill by the river. And you can get you know thousands of people over the course of an hour mm. sitting there come by and check it out. And one of the things we really? we've been yeah. meaning to do for a while is actually just get like a big sort of poster, chuck it up and say something like, you know, mere mortals live recording or, or whatnot. And, uh, you know, for us, because we're still so small, I think uh, I personally want to concentrate more on the, like the Brisbane area. And cause that's one of the things I'm doing as well. Like I, I don't really have that in much of an interest in interviewing the real high, high profile people. I'd rather just find people doing like really intriguing or random stuff, just in, in everyday life in, in Brisbane and, and interviewing them. So like I, I talked with a guy the other day who does uh, ultra marathons, but mm. he weighs like 110 kilos. He's a big guy. And so that, <laughs> that's, that, I find that really interesting. So like, you know, why the hell are you doing that, man? That must be so hard compared to, you know, 50 kilo people running around. So uh, for, for me personally, I think, um, yeah, more branding awareness in, in our local area and, the digital side will sort of, yeah, I, I have no idea where that'll go. So I'll, I'll focus on what I know I can control, which is getting out there, actually meeting people, talking to people and having people physically see what's going on. Mm. What about you, Jess? Oh man, it's, yeah, I don't know. I think about it a lot. Like I definitely think in terms of, if you want to, I guess, talk in terms of like what works. I mean, for me, like the YouTube thing, basically, if you look at my YouTube channel, it's 
fucking moto clickbait essentially like that's the <laughs> shit that works on youtube and yeah. Yeah. Well, i kind of had in my head i was like no this is what i wanted to be like we're meaningful and we have these great conversations and you can take so much from each podcast and it's not just the moto but you know like you can kind of be on your high horse of like fucking listen to everything it's so good but then it's like i think the biggest thing that i've realized especially lately is like give the fucking people what they want like any great artist will tell you that once you make your art it's not yours anymore mm. so it's like i do the thing and then these people over here on this channel they like the fucking clickbait moto shit give them the clickbait moto shit and then if they want to come and listen to the podcast on itunes or spotify and listen to the other amazing people that don't ride a motocross bike, then they can. And so it's not up to me to like try and dictate what people should like. And I think that as soon as I let go of that, it sort of worked a little bit better for me. Like I, I see like iTunes is iTunes. That's, it's like a weird deal. Like that's mm. the biggest channel for me by like so far. And there's so many people that listen to it that will never contact me that will never They'll never send you a DM. They'll never leave a review. Like they're just, they're a ghost to me, you know? And then Instagram is just, it's quite personal. Like I'll reply to everybody. I try and have genuine conversations, give people advice that, mm. that sort of gives me like a bit of a, that's like the rudder of like, uh, I get what the boys were saying earlier, you know, you like listen to people, you get their feedback or whatever. And then YouTube is like, I just try and get as many views as possible because it makes me money. And then I just kind of don't give a fuck <laughs> at that point. It's just like, they, that's this, their thing. Like they, they're like, Oh, you fucking clickbaited me into this. And I'm like, well, you clicked it. And now you're commenting and you'll either liked or dislike. So thank you regardless. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, the YouTube honestly, comments man, are yeah, it's, it's just a weird one. And I think that already, like if you told me three years ago where I'd be, it's already so much bigger than I ever thought it'd be. So like from here on out, I don't think it's I'm as bonus. worried with growth as what I was. And even so last month we had our biggest month across every platform and it's almost just like, fuck now, like you just set this bar and it all, it becomes, it's a, it becomes a weird thing if you focus on it and you hear people more and more as they, I guess the numbers do get bigger, they stop looking at it. And I think that at a certain point, I can see the thinking behind that because at the start you're like wanting to grow because you want it to be sustainable. But now it's like, okay, it's sustainable. And if I'm obsessing over the numbers, like that's just all out of fucking ego. Yeah. I would agree with that. I think I stopped looking at the numbers like two years ago. Um, I just have someone else tell me as like an update on a weekly basis when we do our review. And I'm more interested in what you mentioned before about like the YouTube comments. Um, I fucking love that. Like my favorite thing is some random person I've never spoken to before. I think when you guys hit me up uh, individually, like I, I just thrive off that shit. It's like a brain wank. I don't know how else to, to, to phrase it, but it's just like the best because uh, it's like a real person. And mm -hmm. like you said, it does give you like guidance as to what's good. I found that like with our producer, Jacob, he just gives me like a third party opinion on, what I sense is going on. And sometimes it just gives me an excuse to make a break on that decision. Cause sometimes I can be sort of paralyzed and indecision on little things that don't matter. So yeah, I feel like having that outside has been really, really helpful. We I've always wondered like, will 
we're, we're in still like the really, really, really early days. Like I do wonder if we sit here having this conversation and 10 years from now, our form of media is like the, the Parkinson or days of our lives mm. type shows yeah. in 10 years from now. Did you guys ever have like a show like that that you watched growing up? I mean, Simpsons for me would, would definitely be, you know, that's, that's etched into my memory. And, well, I'm, I'm thinking more about like an interview show. Was there ever like a, because um, uh, Parkinson was huge in my family. It was on the ABC a lot, but also Days of Our Lives. I don't, not Days of Our Lives. Um, uh, this Is Your Life with, uh, what's his name? The guy from Channel 9. Uh, oh, yes, yes. Yeah, I was going to say that that's the only one that really came to my mind. That was a bit of an, of an older one. That this is This Is Your Life and going through the the story of it, uh, of, of their past. And he gave him, and he gave him the book, right? He'd give him like the oh, book yeah, at, the, yeah. at the end. I remember he yeah. had like, um, he had Ali on. That's, that was like huge. Okay. I think it was Ray Martin. Pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, what yeah, I, yeah, and what I can uh, think about, right. Is the, is the potential as well of some of the conversations you're having today to, you know, in 10 or even maybe 15 years kind of looking back and, you know, whether you uncovered having a discussion with someone that was quite young, who then went on to do something quite successful or you yourself go back. It's kind of like looking back at the uh, original Joe Rogan uh, podcast mm. episodes, right? When you look back at where he started from where he's today, it's just like, wow, that's a, a huge change. And, and we noticed at least going back to our very first episode to now, you know, look back and go, dang, I can see even the improvement that I'm having myself in the way that I vocalize things and the way that we you know, promoting it the way that we actually cutting the video and everything. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think in 10 years time, we'll probably look back at some of these conversations and that I don't think all of them will be timeless, but there's going to be a few there that you'll pick up and it'll be like watching an old YouTube video and you go, Oh yeah, this still holds some belly. <laughs> yeah. I remember listening it. I, I thoroughly encourage everyone not to go do it unless you want to be in excruciating pain, but listening to the first couple episodes of my show is horrendous like it's just so bad like i don't, I don't know um jace if you sort of sometimes you see some people like start a podcast or initially when they start an interview based podcast and they've got like a piece of paper like this and they ask a question and they go okay cool and they go on to the next one <laughs> yeah. i feel like i may have had a little bit of that in the start like i had to hit I was in that struggle of like, I have to hit all these things as opposed to just sort of like doing the notes and letting my brain go with the flow during the interviews. But that's sort of part of the process, right? You're finding out mm. what you're good at. Yeah. I think for, for me personally, like I was definitely lucky because I did interviews with people constantly. Like I was yeah. just a filmmaker and it, it sort of has been a part of, I guess just a part of like my professional career, my entire adult life, I'd say for me, the biggest thing is just working on myself and to like we said at the very start, you know, like just removing this self from it and having like the compulsion to talk about yourself or to, you know what I mean? Like interject yourself into this conversation for uh, reasons that are very disingenuous like it's not that that would i'd say would be like my biggest struggle and i think from the audio video side i'm lucky that was my career um it was funny actually i just got um i had a guy on the podcast the other day and then he's like oh yeah i saw there's a whole thread on like this message board about 
my YouTube channel. And then I went on this message board and I was looking at it. And then I found some stuff from like two years ago and all the comments are like, this guy fucking doesn't stop interrupting. This guy <laughs> talks about himself. This guy's a fucking idiot. Like, and I don't really get that now. Yeah. So, you know, I think that the process is the, be- it's the best thing that the podcast has ever done for me is have like, I used to say before I started the podcast to my friends, I was like, look, if enough people call you a fuckwit, you're a fuckwit. That's just the, <laughs> Like, that's just the end of the day. Like there can be somebody that says that you're a wanker, but if it's like one or two people, it's like, all right, everybody's had like some bad dealings, but if enough people think you're a fuckwit, like you probably are, like there's a really good reason. Like we're very social creatures. And so like, if you're getting a lot of those comments, they're probably right. And it forced me to really look at that. Mm. And, uh, and I'd say that that's probably been the the biggest thing is just like figuring out like what is this need to interject yourself what is your idea of yourself like where where does all of this come from and i think that yeah that's probably been i've never had i've never typed questions i've never i never really do research that's for a positive and a negative at times um but in terms of like the structure the thought like i've never changed from day one i'd say the only thing that i have done is just try and work on myself so that the person that's sitting across from uh, the interview subject is just a better person to talk to. You. Yes, you. Are you intrigued by this episode? If so, go to our footer on the website, neuraa.com, neural.com. We're going to give you an insight each week. It's going to be on business, marketing, or a topic that we covered in the episode at all. We'd love your support and it would help us in developing the intellect around this series. But without going on too much longer, let's get back into this episode. I want to ask you guys about personal insights, but I know one, you got to run, don't you? Uh, probably in a few minutes. Okay, yeah, cool. A few minutes. What's, um, what's been the biggest insight for you guys personally doing this? Oh, look, I'll give you a couple of tra- straight up. Uh, when I listened back to a couple of my very first ones, it's the the amount of times that I would use filler words uh, like um and likes and the you ability know. for me to just go down this you know. rabbit hole path of things I wasn't I'm even- still there, brother. <laughs> and, and it's interesting because in, in conversation, it's, it's great to have, but it, it's the power of- yeah, how well I'm actually trying to articulate something that might be best said in, in a minute that I'm kind of spilling into 10 and 15 minutes. And the reason that's important for me is, you know, my day-to-day work, uh, you know, I've managed up to 100 people and managed teams and a lot of people across it. And when I'm trying to get messages across, especially when it's executive boards or CEOs or other people, I'm just not talking shit for 10 minutes when I can sort of convey whatever I'm trying to talk about or a story in a minute, get that across, get the point through and move on. Um, so I think that's probably been the biggest thing that I've taken away is looking back and understanding, all right, if I'm talking about a topic and someone's listening to this, how can I convey it in the simplest way that's understood without me having to go into meaningless conversations around it? Mm. Yeah, for me, I, I think it's around, I guess, knowing that uh, I do actually have a voice and that what I do say can affect people and does matter in, in some sort of uh, like, even though a very small way. So 
when I was uh, growing up, I, I just had a lot of issues with regards to like how I saw myself, whether that be in group settings. Uh, as I already mentioned, I'm relatively introverted. So those big sort of uh, venues and stuff, I wouldn't get on well with groups and uh, body issues like you name it, I had it. And so from 2014 through to 2019, I had no social media. There was no... Um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, I had WhatsApp, but I'd only talk with one and maybe one mm. other friend. Uh, and doing this, I guess, has realized like, was I actually scared of putting myself out there? A little bit. And it was because I was unconfident in myself. And so, you know, doing this for an hour, for a while now, I realized, you know, like, okay, yeah, sometimes I do talk absolute bullshit and you probably shouldn't listen to what I say because it's bad advice. But <laughs> I think for, you know, 80% of the time at least, it's, uh, you know, thoughtful, considerate things that I have worked on. And so, um, you know, it's almost like just giving me a bit of confidence doing this and realizing like, you know what, I do actually have some value to add to the world and I don't need to like hide in, hide in my shell, I guess. Yeah. So it's how it's almost helped you personally with that introversion. Cause yeah, I, I know, absolutely. I know my partner's got this, the same thing is that, um, because she's almost been forced into this world. Uh, she's forced to socialize more than she normally would. It, it has made her better in that regard as well, which is, a, I, I think it's a good thing. It has to yeah. be a good thing. Yeah. And, and that's the thing with introverts. It's not that you, you like particularly hate socializing. It just drains you. So if you do yeah. it too much, you know, it's, you, you, you're burnt out. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting. I had a guest who, and it's amazing how many people have that as well. Like, introverts who also then have um social anxiety like i had a guest last week effie Katz, and she's huge like in the fashion world it's a very extroverted world and uh like i just asked her like what's the thing that you wish that you could talk about more and she was like oh i've got social anxiety i was like what what okay this is not what i expected um so that's, I feel like that's been a nice thing as well by doing this is learning more about people that you wouldn't have expected, um, but also about yourself and how you react to that. Like I think um, going back to what you said, Jace, I still have it and I still get comments about it, but my, my problem is like I don't want to interject myself. I just want to offer a bit of vulnerability in, in the process mm -hmm. to make that guest feel like, they can talk normally because some people are on, you know, they're on that PR trap with like they they've got to um, talk a certain way and I'm talking about shit in my pants or something like that. And I'm trying to get them to sort of open up a bit. Um, yeah. I, to I totally agree with that. Like that's one of the, I'd say probably the one. most. He's <laughs> <laughs> just the, yeah. The, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that that's definitely something when, whenever I do get, these negative comments and shit. One, one of the things I, I've kind of always say to people is like, right. I do my show for three hours right now. If I went to a barbecue and spoke about myself <laughs> for three hours, uninterrupted people would think I was the biggest fucking idiot on planet earth. <laughs> That's like a natural feeling that I think we would all feel right. Mm. Like you go talk about yourself for three hours straight and then like that, that is a, a normal thing to feel like that's not great. So you can't expect to get a guest on to a show 
for three hours and just ask them like bang, 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 bang. You need to have this back and forth to make that person feel like they're not being interrogated. Mm. And then to your point, man, I always try and go like whatever I want to get out of a person in terms of let's say it's social anxiety, I'll go way further down the road of my own insecurities and my own anxieties and my own uh, feelings because then that it almost like brings that person with you. You know what I mean? It's like you create this turbulence and then they're dragged into it with you. And I think that, that people from the outside looking in, it's so easy. They're sitting there and they're just this passive consumer of this product that you're making, but you're the engine, like you're the thing that has to create that turbulence that drags the guest along with you. And the more turbulence that you could create and don't associate that with as a, like a negative word, but it is, it's like an energy that you're, that you're creating. And then that drags people in. It sucks people towards that. So like, if you're not prepared, like you're only going to get what you give in that sense. And I think that it's just super, super important to, to show those aspects of yourself and to give people that license to, to, uh, to be vulnerable because it's like a safe place to do it. Yeah. And it sort of goes back to what you're saying before um, with your audience anyway, in having that environment where they can listen to other guys talk about it, which is mm. very interesting. I, is there for you guys personally, have you ever had a particular message that stands out to you at all? Like over Instagram or anything like that? I've had one where, um, you know, we, we started interacting with, uh, it was sort of like a fellow podcaster, um, also Brisbane based who's, um, yeah, definitely like, I think up there in terms of, of numbers, uh, with regards to you guys. And, um, yeah, she, she reached out to us and we sort of had a bit of back and forth and we're talking about just on one of our episodes about, um, I guess like being honest and open the truth, I think. And, um, we're just saying like, you know, we're just talking about it in sort of like a abstract philosophical way. Um, but she came back to us saying, uh, you know what, like I've, I've sort of been like a little bit deceptive, um, with you guys. She, she had much, I guess, like the same issues that, that I did, which was, you know, not wanting to put her face out there, not wanting to put her sort of, you know, expose herself to the world in essence. Um, and she was like, look, this isn't actually my real name. My real name is this. And I just wanted to, to let you guys know that. Cause I, I felt like I was being a bit deceitful. Um, so that, that one actually hit me pretty hard, which was like, oh, wow. You know, we're, uh, we're at least talking about concepts that would, would make someone, you know, voluntarily reach out to us like that. And, and, you know, um, you know, expose themselves. Cause that was, that was a, you know, a risk on her part to, to do that. And so, yeah, that was, that was a pretty big uh, message when we received that. Wow. What yeah, are you, Jess? Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely, I get stuff that sort of, I feel like it's way above my pay grade. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, there, was, there was one in particular, this chick actually went to rehab for um, like a heroin addiction. And she... I, I guess like she grew up in like a racing family. So she kind of knew some of the names that were on the show. And anyway, she did this like three month stint in rehab and listened to the podcast every day. 
Wow. And yeah, like said it got her off drugs and she wanted to kill herself and that whole, you know, like, so yeah, there, there's definitely been a bunch of uh, heavy stuff. There was one dude as well. I, um, I talk a lot about, um, uh, like meditation and shit like that. And which is pretty much as like left wing to my kind of audience is what it gets. But I sort of kind of really push that message just for like the, uh, the impacts that it's had on my own life. And it's, and it's been sort of through the podcast that that it was even something that developed on my end. Mm. Um, and there was a guy actually that he's a, prison guard um at one of the prisons in australia like maximum security prisons and he actually said that he started doing uh like a meditation mindfulness practice and it changed the way that he treated prisoners in the prison and it's just said that like just that has fully changed his life and the life of these other prisoners and stuff so yeah you definitely get some like crazy shit come through and recently too um we've we've started doing some racing like motocross racing yeah me and my friend sam he's kind of like i guess he's like my joey diaz you know um (laughs) but yeah so we've started doing these races and he's like a pretty big dude you know like he's he's overweight and um he gets out and we do these races we have no business doing like up they're like brutal fucking six hour motocross races like with all these dudes that are like the best riders in australia and recently we've been having a lot of people that like you know what fuck it i'm overweight i'm out of shape i haven't raced forever i thought i'd never race again but i just want to go hang out with my mates and so like i think being able to influence the culture in our you know sort of microcosm um that's been kind of rewarding as well you know just like because it's not just the fact like oh yeah more people are racing motocross it's just what it gives you um in terms of i guess the you know feeds your soul kind of deal yeah, I think for me it was it, it's always consistently been like someone coming to me and saying like they were very surprised by a certain interview uh, about what they learned about that person. Um I don't think I've ever really had a message about me personally like impacting um someone like that. I just don't I just don't think we've had that. But what was interesting is um having previously had uh, a prior guest, actually, I'd I'd phrase it as we've had some people because of what we were doing. I think try and use us. I don't know how else to phrase it, but people who I was very, I feel like the veil was lifted a little in terms of how some people in the public sphere uh, carry themselves in private, which is probably the most illuminating one of the most illuminating things for me. I just there's one in particular that will always stay in my head where um, the guy just basically wanted to use us to make his show and we were expected to do everything for free. And I thought that was really interesting. So that's probably been like the the biggest thing for me, but otherwise it's just people talking. It's always someone talking about a specific individual um, Mm. that they just would not have expected the conversation to come from. Um, other than Rogan, who do you look up to in this space? I I like um yeah it, it's hard because there's there's so many different podcasts I lift, listen to but I wouldn't particularly want to do it like them or be like them um but uh, I, I would I would just say but you know that being said that it does influence me a lot and you know you take ideas from how they do their things so 
Uh, there's one podcast called the the Lex Fridman podcast. Uh, he talks yeah. a lot about yeah, yeah. artificial intelligence. Um, yeah, I, I like his style and um, and the way he gets into topics with guests. And you can tell, uh, you know, he's he's not entirely comfortable. I would say doing no. doing the podcast a lot of times, um, which makes it just so much more interesting. Yeah, he looks down on himself quite a bit, actually. Yeah, which yeah. I find really interesting. Like he actually talks down on himself quite a lot when he goes on other people's podcasts. But um, he's fucking funny on LinkedIn. Like he's like a shit poster on LinkedIn. He's, <laughs> he's very very funny. Um, what about you, Jace? Yeah, I actually don't listen to any podcasts at all. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Like I, I'll but, watch. I'll watch stuff on YouTube mainly. Yeah, Lex Friedman is my dude though. That's that's my guy. So I'll watch. Um, honestly, it's like, it's just a time thing. Like I don't have to commute anymore. Um, I live like a minute from my warehouse. So my commute time and then my jujitsu gym, I literally have like a 12 kilometer radius <laughs> that I stay in unless I ride motocross. And then I'm with my friends and we're talking shit. Um, so yeah, I just... Unless, and now like no flying and shit either. Um, but yeah, so I'm pretty much like this. So this year I just completely cut out TV and everything from my life. So I don't have a TV anytime that I would want to, uh, watch TV. instead I've been reading this year. Um, but I do listen to, um, the meditation app that I use is, um, Sam Harris's waking up. Uh, and he has a bunch of, uh, their conversations within that app. And, um, there's a lot of Q and a stuff that he does. Uh, and I'll listen to a lot of lectures from yeah guys like Alan Watts. And I think that one of the podcasts that the mere mortal boys did, and they were talking about like your spiritual beliefs and you said, you don't identify as a Buddhist, but that would be like your closest thing that you would identify with. But uh, and I sit in that same thing. Like I love, I listen to a lot of um, Buddhism style lectures and I read a lot of uh, Buddhist uh, writings and just to try and I guess extract what I can out of that, that makes sense to me. But yeah, that's been for the last two years. Like that's been sort of my primary focus. Um, that's really interesting. So Cause yeah, I, I just make the show like how I just make the show, how I want to make the show. Yeah. And then that's, that's it, you know? Isn't interesting you mentioned that because I've just, like, I've pretty much read this book in about two days, which, uh, like, I read for an hour every night to sort of chill out. But um, yep. it's called The Almanac of Naval Ravikant. He's been on Rogan's podcast and a few others yep. before, but I found him actually through Tim Ferriss, and he's like a walking, wise old man. And, yeah, he's uh, amazing. I'm literally up to the section now where it's the chapter about happiness and he talks about how he literally said that he, if, um, if he had to claim a religion, it would be Buddhism, but he doesn't want to title it because he mm. reads a lot of um, the Buddhist teachings and what is it? Krishna Murti, Chris, Krishna or Krishna Murti. Yeah. And um, the thing that he phrased it as is just like inner peace. Mm. That's the biggest thing. Um, and I've probably gone through that recently as well. Reading this book is I've like, uh, on all of my, um, related apps, um, social media, et cetera. I've really culled down what I'm looking at. Like politics, mm. I've really culled down anything to do with politics. I can't, <laughs> I just, I, and it was really, really gratifying for me recently when Jacob, our producer came to me and said like, Hey, I don't think this 
fits well into our show anymore. Like I think like business marketing and sort of performance is where you want to go. And that to me was so relieving because I just had this idea mm. that I had to interview politicians and whatnot. And to be honest, they were the fucking worst episodes. <laughs> well, I think the the thing with, if I could just to elaborate on the whole, like why I don't like to identify with anything. Like mm. I think basically that all of, you know, like you look at um, Zen and Buddhism and Hindi, like any of those ancient traditions and religions, they all arrive at the same place as a guy like Sam Harris or any of the, the new school, like Western uh, non-dualist kind of teachings. They all get to this place like, all right, there's no self, there's nothing here, it's emptiness. But then the problem is that all the, the religious aspect comes in is like they get to that point and then they start explaining what it means. And then it's like, okay, so you've just got to this point where there's no self, there's emptiness, there's inner peace, whatever. And now you're trying to explain it. So you've just stepped away from the self <laughs> and then you're just using the self to explain the no self. So mm. it just gets stuck in like this loop. And I think that the, the move is, and I mean, I've always had this, ever since I was a kid, this shit, it's been like really heavily on my mind, but I've always had this analogy of like, we're just a rat in a shoe box and there's nothing in the shoe box. It's just this rat and a box. And then, yeah, you might have an idea that there's a world outside of this box, but you have no fucking data. There's nothing that you could do that would give you any information what's outside of the box. All you're using is all you're trying to do is explain what's outside of the box with absolutely no fucking information. So mm. as soon as you, you know, you, any metaphysical claims like, fuck man, I love seeing dudes on YouTube that want to say that like, Oh, there's uh consciousness is produces all reality. And it's like, well, fuck, you just get to this thing where you said there's no self and we're only consciousness. And now you're stepping back in to try and explain what you've already said fucking car isn't there so it's just to me that's why i just i want to use those uh but all of the teachings in terms of you know buddhism and all of these kinds of um religions they get you to that point of no self i just think that it's a problem then when you to to try and explain what's happening there requires the self that you've just worked on losing hmm. when did you realize that was that harris that said that what's that the the idea that idea around getting to uh, this moment in time of uh, no self whatsoever and then going back to things like organized religion that then try and parade around this idea of self. I honestly, it's just visible. Right. Like it's visible to you, like to yourself essentially, you know, like when you step back into, it's like, have you ever done like MDMA or something or like mushrooms? And then you're, you're so you've, you've gone, holy fuck, I am a feeling. Like I've stopped being me. I'm this feeling. You have that experience or like the mushrooms and like I'm everything. And then it goes away as soon as you explain it to people or as soon as you try and explain it to yourself. As soon as that self-talk comes in, like you qualifying the experience that you're having, then the experience itself disappears. And then you just you're just back in self-land. So, I mean, it, it definitely is like a big part of what, guys like Sam Harris uh, teach. But yeah, I think that that's sort of the point 
and that's why you sit and that's why you do the meditation every single day. That's why you challenge yourself to go there. You're like, you're just seeing that for yourself. And I think after years of doing it, then you just stop having to qualify it because in like the early stages for me, I was like, that's it. I was there. I was there. Everybody. Oh, wait, it's just me. And then yeah. I'm back talking to myself. And then where I was, I'm not there anymore. Yeah. But that's the, that's the thing. That's the constant battle. I think that's what Naval was talking about in the book is, uh, you got to not focus on being in peace versus out of peace. Uh, you've just got to look at it at like every single moment, like literally a minute at a time, uh, which is really fucking hard. Like it's almost well, impossible. Even the, idea of, even the idea of like wanting to be happiness, like you talk about Buddhism, that's called seeking. And so yeah, like yeah. <laughs> even to when, you know, when you say like you want to be happy, well, don't even say that. Like yeah. there's nothing to be had. Like if you really believe in this and you know, you, you've spent the time looking, then, you know, like the, the feeling of the feeling of heartbreak or, or a, a really good one. This is one that Sam Harris talks about the feeling of sight, excitement and anxiety in terms of the objective way they present in your conscious experience in terms of just a feeling tone. They're the same thing. Mm-hmm. When you're anxious, it, you got the same tightness in your chest, the heart rate elevates, blah, 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 blah. But you associate it with like, oh, fuck, I'm anxious. I'm nervous about this thing. Or you could be just about to go out for a sporting event or you've just landed a trick that you've never done before. You get that same feeling that anxiety presents, but it's in this completely different context in your mind and you associate it as excitement. So the problem is like just labeling experience and trying to like compartmentalize what your experience is. Oh, this is anxiety. This is happiness. This is sadness. They're all just these things that are appearing into your, you know, your space of awareness, the things that you can potentially be aware of as you. Speaking of seeking then, what are you guys excited about for next year? When you think about the year that's been with COVID and everything, uh, you know, speaking of the Gold Coast, I think we're actually planning a trip up there in mid oh, awesome. or something like that. Uh, we, we were meant to go to a wedding uh, and now we've got this like $1,800 credit with, uh, who is it? Jetstar. Cause we're going to, you know, classic, like someone's having a Bali wedding. Um, yeah. And uh, so now we're planning Gold Coast drive down uh, to Byron. Cause we haven't seen that part of the world in probably five or six years. And I'm excited because I'm getting married next year. I'm excited because, I don't know, I feel like maybe we will be able to travel normally again and see people again. What are you guys thinking about when it comes to next year? So Juan and I do a a big, we're like big on goal setting. So um, every year around October, I I set myself uh, like sort of eight goals that line up with like my my favorite, I like, or the things that I decided are important to me in life, which are, you know, tend to revolve around the same things that everyone else does, you know, family, relationships, health, spirituality, things like that. Um, So I I have like a bunch of mini ones that I'm I'm really excited to do. So those involve, um, I'm planning on just renting a little studio somewhere up in the mountains and uh, just doing like my own little silent retreat, just going up there for seven seven nights and just doing that. Um, I'm starting to learn German. Uh, so it's, it's always fun, like picking up a new language and you almost, for me, at least you can create like a new persona 
you were mentioning before, Jordan, about why I had Michael on, on LinkedIn. Uh, it's because I was actually using it for a bit of Spanish as well. And Michael is sort of my Spanish persona. So when I speak in Spanish to different people, um, I ask them to call me Michael just because, well, it's the name's a lot easier to pronounce in, in Spanish than Chiron. Um, but yeah, I, I, me personally, I wouldn't say it's like one thing, just a bunch of mini goals that I set for myself uh, each year and, you know, ticking, ticking them off one by one I just brings me so much enjoyment. Mm. What about you, Jess? Man, I honestly don't even know how to answer it. Eh? I'm just <laughs> kind of cruising along. Cruising? Um, you don't, you, yeah. do you have any intention to get now that, you know, like as an example, the, the borders down with New South Wales, Victoria, I, I don't know if you're much of an international traveler or have been in the last couple of years, but do, do you want to do anything like that? Yeah, we've definitely got um, the, we've been doing a lot of vlog sort of style stuff where we go on these trips, um, my buddy Sam and I. So we've got uh, we've got a bunch of stuff planned for work. I think we're looking at doing like a Tassie trip in January uh-huh. and then a West Oz trip where we go and do these like kind of races and stuff. Um, and then we had a really we got like a a good crew of dudes in new zealand um so like it would be cool to do some of that kind of stuff um and then i'm gonna do a challenge um where i'm gonna do a year's worth of jujitsu in one month so i'm trying to yeah like because of the whole covid thing it's just i actually fucked myself up all year so i crashed I, i crashed a harley in vietnam in february and i ripped my shoulder out. So wow. I had three, three months off with that. And then I crashed a dirt bike in July and I broke my hip and I'm still having problems with that. So I've pretty much missed this whole year of jujitsu. Um, and then like a bunch of people did with gyms being closed and stuff. So I wanted to do this challenge where I did 52 classes in a month. Um, and then bought a couple of cool people on the podcast, whether it was like training partners or, um, physios and, you know, just try and have like a, a month where the content of the podcast revolved around health and wellness. Mm. Do you intend like at all to have a day off during that month? I don't think I can actually. I think, well, I think I, (laughs) Yeah. I think I can do Sundays off. It's 13 sessions a week. So wow. it'd be essentially two sessions a day and one on Sunday. So Sunday would be a day off, I guess. Yeah. Unless I wanted to fit three into the week. But Does, I, I kind of just want to use it as a, uh, a chance to try and inspire the community. There's one thing actually I, I would like to mention um, before we wrap it up about the, I guess, just the, the podcast in general is that I actually didn't, put enough emphasis on the community aspect of the podcast at an early stage. And I think now probably more important than the numbers that we do on the show. Um, And it's easy to say, obviously when there's numbers there, you can kind of go, Oh yeah, but it doesn't matter. It's about this. But I think that more so now, I think it's about the community. Like they've literally the whole gypsy gang thing, like, there's a whole community of people like they go ride together, they meet up and you know, that to me is a super important part of the podcast. Now, probably the most important part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, So to have that community and again, um, Tommy and Josh from daily talk show, 
that they were the ones that really inspired that from me with the whole Gronk squad thing. Mm. Um, and they said, you know, that the community is the most important part. And I learned that through COVID, but yeah, so I want to do that month as a challenge to kind of ignite a fire in the gypsy gang. Like, all right, I don't give a fuck what you guys do, but for one month, you've got to do something 52 times, whether that's meditation, whether that's push-ups, whether that's fucking, I don't care, but let's all do something together. And then we'll make this whole month around just human performance, health and wellness, giving time to yourself to, to try and like be better. What, what month are you thinking? Man, honestly, fuck, in February. Get in <laughs> yeah. Why you got something going on in Feb? No, it's just 28 days. So it makes it even harder. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. Don't, don't do uh, that. Don't do it in January uh, either. Cause then I'll be roped into doing something if I'm up in Gold on the Gold Coast. Yeah. You're de- well, you're roped into doing the show. I yeah. definitely need you to sit there at some point. Um, yeah, I just got to let my body heal, eh? Like, I'm still struggling so bad with my hip. So, it's been a real... Um, this has been the toughest injury I've ever had. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, honest to God, I'm just excited to see humans in the flesh. I mean, look, you guys are going to say... Yeah, you had- you've had it so much worse than us, man. Like, honestly, my year, like I've had the best year of my life. And I don't want to say that to rub anything in, but really, it the challenges that COVID presented... I think made me better and yeah so i'm not yeah not bummed on this year at all but i live in queensland and yeah, you guys yeah. Got fucked. victoria has been do you know it's actually been it's been a good thing and a bad thing like it's a bad thing because things didn't happen that we wanted to happen but uh i feel as well it sort of just changed things up a bit um like sometimes you just need a little bit of chaos to to have a situation where people see the value in certain things in their life. Um, as well as the fact that, you know, there's just a lot of, like even in my industry, there's just a lot of businesses that exist that shouldn't because they're Mm -hmm. just running on empty. They're just zombie businesses. Um, so that's been quite illuminating and, you know, really, if you look at this year and if someone says to you, oh, I didn't get this thing done or I wasn't able to do that personal goal or whatever, you don't really have an excuse. Like you're mm. never going to get it done because this was the year. Like I went deep this year. You guys going to laugh on bonsai shit. Like I am so deep on bonsai right now. That's dope. Like it's just ridiculous. So I, I, uh, started with one plant that my mum gave me in December and now I've got like 10 or 12. I don't have any more room on my balcony. It's just not going to happen. And I think my partner will crack the shits if I spend any more money. It's sort of like one of those hobbies where it's like um, cars or bikes or um, music or whatever. You don't realize how expensive it is until you get into it. Yeah. Podcasting. Yeah. Podcasting, dude. Uh, when you were talking before about all the equipment, I was thinking the same thing. I like this year I had major gas, they call it gear acquisition syndrome. I just bought and bought and bought shit. Um, hey, that's, that's my life. Unfortunately, <laughs> particularly when, uh, like those grants came in, uh, like we had some specific grants here in Victoria cause we're all fucked. And, uh, the first thing I did with the money was go and buy new cameras, which, uh, as it turned out a few weeks later, we were locked down again and we never used them until mid November. So it was like, we bought yeah, right. them and we didn't use it for, apart from, you know, these at home 
yeah. Zoom interviews, we never used the new cameras, which was fucking hilarious. So that was. Ooh, I just dropped four thousand dollars on a hard drive. Jesus <laughs> just, right. Fucking, I'm over it, eh? Yeah. Just with like, it's like a multi like a multi-user one but yeah like it's just when you think that you're like oh, i got everything you just it's the shit, next thing shit, yeah shit, it's like um my producer said to me the other day he's like um oh man like do you have to have paper in the interviews like because you rustle it a lot and it fucks with the sound and i'm like not really he's like yeah you should just get an ipad and i'm like fuck it's just another thing it's Wait, another just fucking say, thing <laughs> Just say, who does number two work for, mate? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, but he, he is right because uh, when we do the in-person interviews, we started using like lav mics and they're omnidirectional. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. not, they're not um, you know, just straight in like this thing. So you do a little what bit was of your, this. What was your reasoning with that? I did notice when you did yeah. that. I pretty much see everything you guys post. So I've, I've, all, I've watched your progression for a long time now. Yeah, it's, it's a... Something I'm battling with at the moment, I think I, someone I looked up to at the time gave me this idea of, uh, uh, of changing the format of the studio because of the style of the interview and mm. be, making it much more like Parkinson, which is the show I grew up on and loved. Yep. And they have those lav mics and um, you guys can probably see just in the, well, yeah. in the top there, we've got the, um, the boom mics as well. But yeah. I think we just don't have the right studio yet. And when we move, those sound issues will fix. But there, there's no doubt that speaking into this is better than speaking into an omnidirectional lav mic, even if they are two grand a pack. You know what I mean? Mm. Those things aren't yeah. cheap. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was more a visual thing than everything. But I don't think we're really set on anything and it'll change over time. That's for sure. Yeah. But this this next year is all about growth for me. I can't wait to get into a proper studio. Um, but this is in my home. To get into a proper studio. Yeah, like, dude, that's one thing about Melbourne. So again, going back uh, to my point about it being good in a way. So yes, rents haven't changed, but you get things like abatements and uh, all these incentives, like with rental agreements. Now I saw one the other day on St Kilda road in Melbourne, get like 150 square meters. And the deal works out that although on paper you're paying the, I don't know what it is like four grand a month or something in rent for 150 square, which is a lot lower than what it has been. It actually, with all the incentives, works out that for the first six, seven months, you're not paying really any rent because they're giving mm. you all these incentives to pay, like just to get you in on like a five year contract. Yeah, um, right. Because they're, they're fucked. Like Melbourne, that was the most interesting thing during the in between period of lockdown, open up, then lockdown again, as we went looking for studio space in May. And I'm so fucking thankful we, we didn't get anything because landlords were delusional like absolutely delusional. And now it's just like, a, it's a, it's a buyer or renters market when it comes to commercial real estate. Cause no one wants to go back into offices, particularly with Christmas coming yeah. up. And, and I yeah. don't know if um, like people are so used to it that I don't know that it's really going to come back like it was ever again. Yeah, Be careful, Jordan, like- or you'll, you'll get SAS, studio acquisition <laughs> yeah. syndrome. You'll, you'll start looking yeah. at two or three. Oh, a fourth one could be well, good. <laughs> to be, I think for a lot of people here, at least, it's just opened up the fact that remote work is a lot easier. Like we are a purely remote business. So we've got five staff. They're all remote in Melbourne and then seven freelancers that are around 
the world, I guess. So Europe and Canada. And it sort of just made us all realize that, you know, maybe you don't need an office. But for for me, because it's in our private home studio, this is literally the master bedroom at home. Mm. Um, we would like to move it out and I'd like to move further away from the city, further down the coast, which would be nice. So anyway, let's jump into some rapid fire questions to finish things off. Sounds good. Morning, evening routine. Jace, you can kick it off. What does that look like? Uh, morning routine, wake up. Actually, this is a thing, just a little side note. This is the COVID. This is my biggest thing from COVID <laughs> is getting a morning routine. I'd hear everybody say it like, and I was just like, fuck off. That's your shit to sell eBooks. And, uh, yeah. So this whole COVID thing, I've done a morning routine, like very, very heavily wake up five thirty, make my coffee in the exact same way with anal precision and try not to think really any thoughts at all. And then I will read for one hour and then I'll have a shower. I'll sit in my chair. I'll do my 10 minute sit. And then I go to work and I work. And then at night, fuck smoke weed until I fall asleep or <laughs> like work until I fall asleep or the, the night is pretty cruisy. Um, when I'm not injured, I train basically every single night. Um, but yeah, the morning is like, that's my focus. That's my time. What about you, Kyle? Yeah. So mine is, uh, I'll wake up, do 10 minutes of, uh, I grabbed this from stoic philosophy of uh, negative visualization. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll do that for 10 minutes as well as like a little bit of gratitude practice, uh, 20 minutes of Wim Hof breathing. And I would sort of just do the general wake up, clean the teeth, splash water on the face. Uh, then it's 30 minutes of Spanish practice at the moment, 15 minutes of German, but that'll get up to probably an hour, uh, half an hour reading. And then that's like, okay, now I start the day. And so that'll then get into, yeah, whether I'm editing podcasts, doing podcasts, exercising. Yeah. Uh, I find it really interesting that you both meditate in the morning. I've, I don't know why. I've never been one that could meditate in the morning. I do it after I eat in the afternoon. And it gives me like a recharge to to keep going. I've experimented all times throughout the day. And I just find if I put it later in the afternoon or evening, it tends to become less essential. It sort of slips in terms uh-huh. of priorities. So for me, it's, yeah, put it in the morning and I, I'll, I'll do it. You always do it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's more about consistency. Um, yeah, I'll do, I'll do, oh, sorry to cut you off. I'll do, I do it in the morning uh, because essentially like it's called meditation practice and you're not supposed to get good at meditating. You're supposed to practice so that then you can get good at life. And mm-hmm. I feel like life is what happens after your morning routine. Like it's very easy to control your morning and have like this perfect little setup and like shit ain't getting fucked up while you're still in the house in your walls. It's the outside of that where shit gets fucked up. So to me, the idea of doing, it's like I practice for life with meditating. I'm not trying to get good at meditating. I'm trying to get into a headspace where I can like see through the, the sort of self that causes the problems, uh, and that happens early in the day. And then I just try and carry that mindset through the whole day. And then you're probably a piece of shit by the end of the day. So then you get up in the morning and then you practice your meditation so that again, that's practicing for life. And then it's just that sort of repeat, but I will, I, I like to meditate at night as well. Um, but yeah, it just huh. becomes like a, if I do it, I do it. If I don't, I don't. Um, 
Last question for you guys. If you could have a billboard anywhere, where would it be? First of all, I feel like placement is sort of key to this. So it could be, and let's keep it to Australia, by the way. Where would it be and what would you put on it? I'll, uh, I'll choose just probably the, the busiest freeway that you could imagine and uh, the people on it. Uh, I would, I'd feel this would apply to the most. Um, I will, I've always liked short and sharp, so uh, this too shall pass. I, I grabbed that from Marcus Aurelius, but it's probably mm. from even before that as well. Just a, a little reminder of, you know, whatever you're experiencing right in this present moment, like in, let alone in, in 10 years, but two minutes, it won't be there. It won't matter. Mm. What about you, James? Yeah, I'd go like the busiest place as well. Um, and I guess it'd say you are space for the world. You are space for the world. Okay. That's interesting. But it had kind of the message would get lost, I guess. Like you'd have to kind of get some context to it. But um, there is a guy named Douglas Harding and he wrote a book called On Having No Head. Um, and basically he just made the very simple observation that every single person uh, sees is that when you look out into the world, you don't have a head, you just have the world. Yeah. So essentially what we are is space for the world. And I think that that line of thinking has really, it's something I always try and come back to in the sense that when I close my eyes, the world goes away. When I open my eyes, that's the space where the world is. Mm. And I've, it's changed my thinking of like, I'm not a dude that's in the world anymore. I open my eyes and there is the world. It's my world. This is my world. It's my universe. America's part of it. Guatemala's part of it. The fucking moon is, but like everything is this thing that happens when you open your eyes. So like we are just the space that the world happens. So it's my world. And then when you open your eyes, it's your world. And Everybody has that same experience. So why would you be a cunt to anybody that is in your world? Like you mm. have a responsibility when you open your eyes to protect the world that is there when, you know, you open your eyes. So I, I like think that. that if I could have that, like you are space for the world and then have people go, what the fuck does that mean? And then actually look into it and have that same philosophy. I think it would be the world would be a better place because you just don't really want to fuck up your world. Look into it. Love that. I can then imagine all the car crashes of people looking into it and then start yeah. doing the practice where they're pointing at themselves yeah. and letting go of the yeah. wheel. He, yeah, he knows what's up. <laughs> Gents, thanks for doing this. Um, like I said, this is the first sort of uh, podcast roundtable I've had since doing the show. So... Um, yeah, I appreciate you both coming on. Where can people find your respective shows and yourselves on the interwebs? Um, hopefully the show has done well enough that if you type Gypsy Tales into any platform, it just comes up. It does. <laughs> so just, yeah, just do that. <laughs> Gypsy yeah. Tales, Karen. Nice, nice. Yeah, uh, so for us, we're definitely not at that level, especially because there's uh, a guy out there who has a, a show called Woodworking for Mere Mortals, who is absolutely <laughs> that huge. motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so if you type in Mere Mortals podcast, um, yeah, we're on YouTube, anywhere you look on the, um, 
podcasting platforms. And then as far as interacting with us, yeah, Instagram's so the, the place where we um, particularly enjoy doing that. And if you like woodworking, it's uh, Steve Ramsey uh, woodworking That's the one. for me. <laughs> uh, he's got his online courses and everything. The number one resource for beginner woodworkers. Very American. Um, gents, thank you so much for doing this. We'll make sure we link all of that. But um, yeah, thanks for coming on. I appreciate yeah, thank it, man. You so much. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. If you do like it, please subscribe. And of course, like if you're watching the YouTube video as well. Uh, We'd really appreciate that. You can also find our Clips channel in the description. For audio, if you're not already listening, you can search Uncommon on Pocket Cast, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts quite easily. For video, if you're not watching, you can search Uncommon on YouTube. And for behind-the-scenes takes and clips uh, on social media, then definitely check out at Uncommon underscore show on Instagram. But otherwise, look, thanks so much for tuning in. And until next time, thanks for listening.